whatever you learn in life, if you learn it consciously, even subconsciously, it kicks in at some point in time. And that's for me is the ability to connect those dots. That's Nikhil Chinnapa. Someone who doesn't really need any form of introduction. So I'll skip the standard stuff like MTV icon, the man who helped make electronic music mainstream in India, etc, etc. That list is really long. But what I've actually always known him as is someone who has a deep sense of curiosity for the little things. You know, the things that add depth to any conversation, the stuff that adds a layer to any music track you listen to. And actually someone whose love for music is only paralleled by his love to dive deep underwater. So how could I not prod him to be on an episode of useless information? He's kind of the definition of what this whole thing is about. I'm your host Varun Dugirala and just a side note before we start this conversation off um i recorded this in the early days of the lockdown um as as you can also hear if you heard the last couple of episodes the audio quality is getting better i have learned over time so yeah let's go to the conversation hey nikhil it's been ages it has been a while man the last time we caught up was over a cup of coffee and uh, you were just on your way out of mcv i believe at that time yeah You know I I was telling someone the other day that I used to really enjoy conversations with you when I was at MTV because because you would have such far reaching points of view and you you I, I remember so my visual of you and this is the visual I always have of you was that when we were whenever we were shooting at MTV you would have your your laptop with um the data dongle plugged in and you were always managing the submerge forums in those days oh, yeah. first oh, man, I, yes. that, that was my like eternal eternal recollection of how nikhil would be <laughs> i was so plugged in i was i mean i'm i i i'm it's pretty safe to say that i'm a bit of an internet addict mm-hmm. you never know what you stumble across uh, online yeah. i mean nowadays it's it's um it's, it's a lot of not safe for work stuff mm-hmm. but back then you were constantly discovering new artists new music um the jokes were actually funny yeah um um just went around at that that point of time it felt more curated at that point of time <laughs> somehow guys i don't think anything, i mean really the internet the internet is curated curated in the sense that <laughs> you know lesser people so i guess it felt curated in that sense of the word <laughs> the internet is curated yes yeah. if the internet is curated it's curated by a whole bunch of very strange people <laughs> yeah very very strange, very strange people Do you, is, does that still stand is that still something that you do a lot of um well yes and no um i'm i i spend a lot of time on social media um mm-hmm. not so much to to post or to or to kind of you know read comments but i think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening on social media and um especially in the music space i try and um fulfill the the the, role, the part of my work as as a festival curator let me just take that back a little bit mm-hmm. um because i need to i need to explain context to this now mm-hmm. i curate a festival called vh1 supersonic yeah okay and i curate the music part of it along with the team of other people at at firecom and curation requires me to do essentially three things one is to put together a lineup of artists that delivers uh on the festival mm-hmm. which means you know fans want to hear this the other is to make the festival future proof which means to forecast trends that could be coming up around the corner and you know get into it before it actually becomes a trend because then everybody's doing it yeah and the third is introduce 
people to artists that they would not normally discover, even if they're never going to become friends. But because I feel that there is a dying need for people to diversify their um, their listening landscape and mm-hmm. the sounds that they that they normally listen to. And I get a lot of that off the internet by basically sniffing out different blogs, um, music publications, artists, journalists, fans. I mean, a case in point is an artist that we, that we put into Supersonic last year, Elenium. Elenium mm-hmm. first appeared on my radar on a list of five artists that had done a remix. And, and he was the only artist that I didn't recognize on that list of five. And I don't remember who the other four were. Mm. But I do remember this, that the other four were heavyweights. And there was this one kid, Elenium, that was on that list of five. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder who this kid is. That gets filed away at the back of my head. And then over five years, I've tracked him and I've seen him put out releases. Uh, I did a radio show and he would, he would constantly get programmed on that radio show. I started to read blogs about him. Um, Dancing Astronauts started to cover him a lot, which is also an online blog on, on dance music. And then you sort of guesstimate what is the right time to bring him into the festival. We, we almost brought him into the festival in 2019, mm-hmm. the year that we did Marshmallow. Yeah. And there was an offer that we got saying, um, can he open for Marshmallow? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that if he had done that, that would have been a phenomenal waste of his first sort of performance in India. And he has the same agent as Marshmallow. And I said, that, you know, I told the agent, you know, I don't want him to open for Marshmallow, but maybe next year we can have him come in and do a solo set. And we actually ended up booking him um, right after we booked Marshmallow for 2019. So we've had the landing book for well over a year. So it's kind of forecasting trend casting, what's yeah. going to work and what's not going to work. And, and Elaine did very, very well at the festival this year. Very popular artist, one of the better sets that we had at the festival. Fans were really excited to see him play. Never come to India before. And I think we just picked the right moment to bring him into India. Is there something you would, you would always tend to do? I mean, even, I mean, I remember from the, early, like even before the early days of, let's say, Submerge and, and, and everything else, was that what, like, I think mu- music uh, collection rather, because that used to be a thing, right? I mean, I, I think now because so much is available, you make some playlists here and there. But there was a time when there was a lot of effort to kind of find music because it was still physical. And, I, and there, there's a part of me that kind of misses that because you know you would you would kind of go scout around to try to find something you know that you would hear a song in in a club or you'd hear a song somewhere, and then you'd kind of go look for it. Now it's obviously access is easier, and so also the volume is higher. And now you've got you've got Shazam now, which makes things like really, yeah, almost stupidly easy. It takes some of the thrill out of the chase. Yeah. You know, back then, like you said, you listen to a song in a club, and I and I remember this as a, I mean, the perfect example for me because it happened in my life as well. Uh, I learned DJing from my wife from Pearl, mm. and back then in the early two thousands, she used to go to the UK to mm. London to buy music because she was playing music on vinyls, <coughs> and she would be in Amsterdam and, and in London, and I went along with her. And on a Thursday night, we went to this club called Heaven, which is one of my favorite clubs, because it's also where I discovered John Digby uh, a few years before that. And there were these three artists that were playing there that night, Express 2. And in the middle of their set, they played this song that everybody was singing along to. And it was a really, really nice song. And I didn't know what the song was. None of us knew what the song was. And next day at the, at the record uh, store, when you're buying music, and we're just going through these massive piles of records to see you know, what we liked, what we didn't like. And I put the needle on one of these records and it was that song. Yeah. It, it happened to be one of the biggest songs in the UK at that point in time. But I didn't know that because we just got into the UK that afternoon. And that same night we'd gone to the club. Express 2, Lazy became one of the biggest songs 
um, in Europe and UK that year. It came out just before, in terms of context, um, Mojo's Lady. Remember that? Of course I do. That song. Yeah, that was, like, that was a big you, one. So you can say that song, and I, I, I can, I can. It's it plays in your head. It's one of those like. Actually, on the video, the, the well, guitar, the guitar riff from from uh, um, Lady. Mm. is actually from a song by um, Sheik called, I think, Coffee for Two or Coffee for One or something like that. It's, uh, it's a sample from a Sheik song. Hmm. How do you know, remember... Use this information. How, <laughs> you do you remember, information. how do you remember all these things? I mean, this is something also <laughs> one more thing about you, right? You have... It's beautiful music. music most trivia. people don't know I mean, this about you. It's not just about music. I think in general... And I think you and I had a, did a call about a couple of days ago and, and you reminded me of this. You have an immense amount of information about really random things in your mind. And you always have had that. Look, I'm, I'm one of those guys where things get stuck in my head. If something is interesting, it sticks in my head. And I think what I specialized in over the years is being able to connect the dots between many different things and creating new identities, platforms, um, designs out of different dots that I've encountered over the years in my life. Hmm. I think that's that's what is the core of my competence is being able to connect dots, recognizing patterns. And yes, I do have a head full of useless information. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but that's what, but most people would, would, and many people don't understand this, right? But actually having this information is what makes you who you are, right? I mean, it's. This is, I don't think it's, the word useless is, is actually a good thing. I think it's a good thing. It keeps me entertained. I mean, like the, the conversation that we, you and I were having the other day was we just, um, you know, we, we've had to put a, a roadie shoot on hold because uh, of the coronavirus and everything got called off and we all got sent back to our homes. And uh, we were just, we just, we were on the shoot at that time and we were walking back from a task and we were walking past some really tall, tall grass. And the person who was next to me, I, I looked at the person and said, you know what this grass is called? And they said, no. I said, uh, well, it's called elephant grass. And I said, oh, really? I said, yeah, it's called elephant grass because it's tall enough to hide an elephant in it. It's this really tall grass. You, you get it a lot in North India. I think it's also called Sarkanda in North India. And I said, by the way, do you know that if you try and run through elephant grass, you're going to cut yourself in so many places that you're going to, you might bleed to death? And they got, really? I said, yeah, because elephant grass is serrated. It's got sharp edges. And they're like, no. I said, yes. And I took a blade of the grass and said, try it out. And sure enough, you rub your hand one way, perfectly smooth, rub it the other way, and it'll go into your finger because it's serrated. Why do I know that? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what would be really interesting is to figure out how you learned all these things, right? Because I think most times... You tend, you know, you're in the middle of a conversation and you you hear people talking about a bunch of stuff and many, many times the tendency for a lot of people is to kind of tune out um, if it's not something which you normally talk about. Um, but the best way to do it, and that's what I've kind of learned, uh, was the fact that you actually sit, you actually absorb whatever your subconscious kind of holds them in. And eventually one day you can talk to someone about why that glass is that way. I don't know if that's how you learned. You know, one, one of the questions that I get asked most regularly by people who I don't know, strangers that I meet, is um, what do I need to do in order to be a good presenter or to, or to be a VJ? And I get asked this question both by people who just started out as presenters or as, or as hosts. And I say exactly what you just said, that the most important ability or the most important lesson that you need to learn as a presenter is number one, actually two lessons, sorry. Number one, know when to shut up. 
You have to know when to stop talking because you're not getting paid by the word. Many people make that mistake. And the other is if you really want to learn and you want to know what to say, you have to listen. Yeah. Because if you listen long enough, when the time comes to speak, you'll know exactly what to say and how much to speak. So listening is actually a, a, a far more important quality for a person to have if they want to be an orator or someone who speaks a lot. So what you also like to do, and this is a bit of a diagonal segue, um, you also love to dive. Yes. You enjoy that, that is, a lot from what I... So I want to I I talk about this uh, a little bit. So scuba diving, I hmm. sort of accidentally discovered it. Not accidentally discovered it. I always wanted to do stuff that I'd not done before. And MTV had sent me off to Phuket to interview Destiny's Child. Tough job, I know, but yeah, you know, yeah, somebody really had to do tough. it. Yeah, absolutely. So I was there for four days. Interview was done in all of I think sixteen minutes or seventeen minutes, and I had three mm. days and twenty odd hours to kill. So I said, "Hey, Phuket, scuba diving. Let's go try it out." So I went and I signed up. I did two dives over there. Liked it so much that I went back to uh, Koh Samui six months later, along with Paul, and I completed the course. So I became an open water diver, and then I started diving because, wow, amazing yeah. undersea life. Then I got my brother interested in diving. And then he and I started doing dive trips together. And then we discovered the Maldives, which is a hop, skip, and a hop, step, and a skip away from a hop, skip, and a step away from India. Mm-hmm. And we started going and diving in the Maldives and we started taking some of our friends along. And my brother then quit his job and set up a company that takes people diving in the Maldives now. So he's like a dive guide. Um, and we've tied up with a bunch of companies in the Maldives and venues across India where you can train people to dive and we take them across. And here's what happened. After about doing 200 dives, I did my first few dives with school kids. Hmm. And that completely changed my world. Because stuff that I'd seen hundreds of times underwater before, when you see a 12-year-old see it for the first time, you realize what a profound impact introducing kids to diving early will make on our planet. Yeah. A 12-year-old that sees a turtle underwater for the first time or sees a shark underwater for the first time or sees a clownfish underwater for the first time and comes out of the water with their face shining, bursting with excitement, words tumbling out of their mouth about what they've seen, I promise you this is going to be changed forever as a person. And that person, that 12-year-old, may go on to be an airline pilot, may go on to be an industrialist, may go on to be um, a politician, uh, a chartered accountant, a doctor, whatever they choose to do in life, I know that they will always care about the planet that they live on yeah. because of what they saw underwater when they were 12 years old. And that's why I would strongly encourage parents to introduce kids to nature as early as possible because if you can get them interested in nature, if you can tell them about how plastic is harming the planet, harming our oceans, destroying the world that we live in, regardless of what that person chooses to do professionally, mm-hmm. that kid will always conscious of the planet it's an incredible feeling to dive with a kid who's never been underwater before and you stand back and you go man i've seen those fish a thousand times but look at the excitement on this kid's face that kid is forever changed had a close encounter with a turtle wow with a manta ray amazing It reminds me of the first time I dived. I felt like I was that kid, right? Because I always, so I, I'm generally uh, scared of most of these things. Like, we'll never skydive mm-hmm. even if someone pushes me. Diving, I said, okay, I'll try it. And 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 Pooja kind of pulled me to to dive. I, you know, there is such 
also there's such peace you can get by being underwater which which you it can't be explained you, you've never been a, you've never been in a fast current have you if you talk about peace underwater <laughs> i have i have been once it's not a good idea almost been no, once Have you I tried to have you, have you, not a fast current to get it trust me you've not been in a fast current have you been in a slow to medium current and tried to swim against it slow don't to medium though. underwater don't remember i've i've done about i've haven't yeah. done as many i've done about three dives three to four dives so i can far. promise you this in a in a in a medium current mm. if you could be finning into the current with all your strength mm. and you still be going backwards mm. in a slow current you could be finning against the current and moving forward by inches that's a slow current <laughs> so yeah i did I, I, yeah. i must have done no current is what i'm guessing <laughs> no but how how old were you when you um when you went diving for the first time um this is about what 3 years ago i was 35 so when you were about 35 35 yeah yeah so now imagine you if you'd been diving when you were 12 or 13 yeah Imagine if you saw what you saw underwater when you were 12 or 13 how would that have impacted your life and the choices that you made about you know maybe you've littered at some point in time maybe you've been um you haven't cared about using and throwing things maybe you've wasted some stuff maybe you've burnt more fuel than you should have yeah and we've done we've, we've all made mistakes in the past right True. do you think you would have been a different person if you had, if you had seen the underwater world oh 100% at 12 oh 100% and then come out of the water onto a beach and seen dozens of plastic bottles lying on the beach do you think you would have been a different person oh 100% also I, considering i grew up next to the beach and i never really considered littering because it was a very empty beach i was in a in a small town so they people just come there on sundays they would they would eat shit and just throw it there and eventually that would all go away because by the time they came back the next sunday most of it would have actually gone away uh, but in hindsight yeah it it honestly never crossed my mind as much till i started doing these things i mean i think we always look at these as very superficial experiences right you're going there to do the same thing you could have done in a mall but you should actually go to the sea and do something you can actually experience in the sea is is what i've realized over the last let's say because i i would also i was a terrible traveler right i would not want to travel i would just want to work um and at some point i got i got pushed into it because pooja said you don't have a choice we are going to travel um and that's when i actually started also looking at things a little differently in these cases okay yeah i guess it helps it it's i, I can't wait like now leas were almost 3 now can't wait to take mm-hmm. her like the first time she actually got into the water um when she was 6 months old we really needed a break uh, to kind of get out and we said should we just go the two of us or should we just take her along as well so she, we actually went to the maldives we made her mm-hmm. sit in the water in one of those resorts and you have those small baby sharks that not not who kind of swim around this is like a 6 month yeah. old sitting over there with just those sharks around that was our first experience of the sea right and 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 we and that is kind of how we <coughs> wanted it to start like she could just like crawl around in the sand do whatever she wanted she loves the beach i mean she you take her to the to beach now and we try to take her as often as we can she loves it um i don't think we can keep her away from it I think I think scientists are still trying to figure out what it is about sand and little kids. Yeah. Why is sand such a magnet for little kids? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't met a kid in my life who doesn't love sand. That's true actually. It's such a you you can build stuff with it. I think it's it's that. It's sand is so like you can I do whatever also, you want with it. When you put your fingers into it, it's that yeah. feeling that you get when you fingers into sand. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's true. Yeah, we're all yeah. we're all visualizing that. All of us are like, mm, yeah, I remember that feeling. Oh yeah, maybe he's right. Yeah. Just when people talk to me about the mountains, I I don't like. For me, I love the mountains, but for me, nothing beats the beach. Like like nothing. No, for me, I'm the opposite, man. I love the yeah? beach, but no, I'm a mountains guy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. You you you're from Kurg, so I would expect that yeah. to be ingrained. For me, it's either, either in the hills or underwater. I'm not much of a beachy person. I'm like, yeah, okay. Sand. It's beige. Been there, done that. <laughs> How much beer can you drink after a while? <laughs> yeah, I know that you guys at Glitch have been doing a lot of content around um, the Indian hip hop scene. Is that is that is that right? Yeah, on and off. So we, we we so we've been collabing with a bunch of guys, and and so uh, and the idea has been the fact that um, can we work with artists uh, who aren't like while we can work with the mainstream guys, right? Sometimes you find an artist who really wants to work on it together. So. uh we did something with divine a while back uh we worked with uh, uh a couple of others as well but the idea is primarily been that guys okay when we this like we did this for netflix for them right and there's the, when sacred games was coming out and we said there's this song and um we we want to make for the show and divine said okay give me 3 days he went off to goa wrote the song came back and then <coughs> the video was made and and so it, it, i think that's the best way to work with an artist i realized is that you let them do what they do don't tell them what they should yeah. do That's I think I think Divine's great. We had him. We uh, we fought to have him as a part of VH1 Supersonic this year, and he did really well. He was fantastic on stage. He's <laughs> I think he's really good. Rafta's new album is going to be coming out soon, and I've, yeah. I've heard bits of that as well. Yeah, it's also brilliant, brilliantly well written. And I, you know, just just a little note that I want to put out there for aspiring hip hop stars because I know there's a lot of really good lyricists in India. People are writing some crazy rhymes. Yeah, I mean some of some of the some of the rhymes that they're putting out are. incredible but if you if you ever want to be um a serious artist then I, i i believe personally and i could be wrong as i have been many times in the past i think it's important for you to be able to sing and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i like a lot about rafdar and divine that you know they 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 musically skilled mm. they um not only do they know how to sing they sing well and it is an art form that you cannot disregard just because you're speaking words in verse and if you listen to some of the biggest hip hop stars in the world um those boys and those girls can sing yeah when you come when you when you come to the world of of mumble rap and auto tune hmm. i don't know man i don't say this about a lot of music but mumble rap that's auto tune i think uh, belongs in a trash can uh, i i i i like i can't and, even and i don't say this about a lot of music but that that i like, genuinely believe belongs in a trash so, can um Have you seen that video of Snoop Dogg making fun of trap music? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that that is that is the exact way to put it across, right? And and that that is like for me the the best way to talk about what is wrong with that kind of rap is just that. Na, 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 na. Well, see, there's there's a reason why I don't make music myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because of something that I very strongly believe in, which is music should be made by people who are accomplished in music. who actually know music who've studied it who are deeply involved with the process of melody and making music and notes and and a, and a deep understanding of it and i don't think music should be made by monkeys with keyboards when i say keyboards i mean on a laptop mm. and i know that computers have sort of democratized the process of making music that everybody can make it and i don't think that's a that's necessarily a good thing for music in general because I, really skillful I, I, music I never knew that you saw it that way um i i i've always wondered why you didn't end up making more music and 
because I think I'd be a fraud if I did. Hmm. I have produced, I have done remixes for Bollywood songs yeah. um, a few years ago. And that was largely because it was a lot of fun and because it was so easy to do. I mean, I have to say this. Back then, Bollywood standards were really low. <laughs> they, by and large, still are. Uh, but back then, they were You give yourself this someone like me right? who had no experience in music was making music. But then there were, there were three of us. There was Navid, Zoeb and me. And we, we worked in separate parts of, of, of the song. Um, Zoeb knew the software very well. So we would work on, on uh, Fruity Loops. Navid mm -hmm. had a year for different sounds. And I would work an arrangement on the architecture of the song or what would need to change or what would need to happen at what point in time. Yeah. And invariably, when, when the three of us worked together on the song, it tended to come out really well. Mm. If one of us was missing in the room, that remix would be sort of mm. sketchy. Mm. didn't really work. But we still did it. It was fun. And people bought it, embarrassingly. I still feel you give yourself less credit on that front. Just like... I do. Just putting it out there. In a way. Yeah. It's not really something that I'm... I'm exceptionally proud of. I am proud of, of, of what both Pearl and I have done in the music space in India. Um, yeah. Along with our friend Hermit, we, we put up this company called Submerge, which then led to us doing small boutique festivals in Goa, then led to Sunburn, uh, and then led to VH1 Supersonic. Yeah. And I think we've contributed in some way to the festival boom that we're seeing across India right now. But, you know, now you started it off. And, and also electronic music, right? And dance music. Really bringing no, it up from... Dance music, man. I mean, people like Medieval Pandits and DJ Ivan and um, Rami Sharma and Sunny Sarah, these guys were like legends, man. Aqua Sami. They were, they were playing dance music before dance music became cool. And yeah. we built off the back of the work that they had already done. I will say that Submerge sort of brought that community together mm. and we happened to do it at the time, at the same time that the internet exploded. So we tend to bring people together, but we didn't, we didn't start it. Yeah. We certainly brought structure into it. We did sort of start off the festival scene in India and we did put a lot of energy behind it. But even the festival scene, it wasn't so much done by us. It was more the people on the Submerge forum Hmm. That drove that first festival. That, for, know, like, that forum was something else. I, I, and I remember that. Um, at some point in time, we'll, we'll have a, a longer conversation about, you know, how Sunburn was born and, and, what, and what drove that. And yeah. how we'll do a part have, two to this one. We'll do a part two to it. Because the people who have taken credit for that festival really need to be ashamed of what they've, what they've said in public. Yeah. And um, Paul actually said this, you know, people who attempt to steal legacy are those that have no legacy of their own to speak about. Hmm. And that's sad, but that, that's a merge forum. And I know that we had 144 active users. When I say active, they would be online every single day. Hmm. Uh, out of about 15 or 20,000 people that we had on the forum, there were 144 people. And those 144 people drove the interest in an electronic music festival in India. The reason we have an electronic music festival scene in India hmm. is because of those 144. And I remember those are the people who would kind of help out when you had um, someone playing in any corner of the country. I remember they would help kind of set it up and they would kind of, yeah. they would kind of come in and, and, and give a hand. I remember those things happening. They would pick up posters, put it up in their, in their campuses. They would talk to their friends about it. They would help out at the gate. They would go pick the DJ up at the, at the airport. Sometimes the DJ would end up staying in somebody's house. It really was, still is a community. And I think Submerge was, was brilliant in, in making that happen in bringing that community together. And many of them are still friends. Many of them are still lifelong and, and, they, and they're going to be lifelong friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things that I, I think both Pearl and I are most proud of and Hermit as well. All three of us are very proud of what the Submerged Forum accomplished. And we're all very proud of all the, all the forum members that drove all that love 
interest and energy around dance music in the early 2000s what else do you like to listen to actually i'm i'm on, I'm on yeah. twitter um quite quite uh, quite a lot there's a guy called uh, nick heath who's a sportscaster mm. he's a sports commentator mm. and because there are no live sports to commentate on anymore he's just been commentating on everyday things the other day he commentated on uh, uh, um four prams that were being sort of pushed down uh, <laughs> a path in a park and one of his friends went one further he commentated on two labradors eating food out of a bowl and he turned it into a race between the two labs it was it's hilarious it's brilliant you should check out nick heath on twitter um it's really funny and there's another guy whose name i'm i'm, I'm really bad with names but that's 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 one of the worst qualities that i have uh it's it's a guy called the room next door and he mm-hmm. sort of pretends to be um the voice in Boris Johnson's year yeah. um through a microphone and headphones yeah. in a room next door or Donald Trump in a room next door and he is hilarious much like what Jose does where he kind of cuts himself into yeah. real scenes or real events that have happened and Jose is brilliant can we just take a moment to say wow he, the last amazing. one that he did which Shekhar Gupta was yeah. absolutely brilliant on tomorrow you know, tomorrow actually, never comes i thought that was amazing jose you are still about this right and he said he just literally he says he just literally watches everything and he's like his only criteria is he needs to figure a way to replicate a space that feels like it can be in conjunction with the other video that's literally his only criteria look that 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 comp- that explanation is far too complicated for something that he does Let's just <laughs> keep it simple man is a genius man deserves an award yes he and does please keep doing what you're doing <laughs> yeah. never leave home jose never leave home <laughs> he does not leave his house it is it is a thing you know what, what another thing is that when we were talking a little earlier right you weren't just talking about the music you were talking about the trivia around the music right? you said okay man, this is a song this is a sample that came from this track etc uh most yeah. times that kind of gets lost most people can just listen to a track and, and go with it but if you actually dig a lot deeper into music and and there's so much more you can kind of get out of it well you know the the jury is still out on this but what works better does back to back music non stop work better mm-hmm. or does music the way it was presented on radio or presented on mtv you know when mtv first kicked off does that work better where you have a presenter actually introduce some of the songs introduce some of the videos and for me it's it's more of the latter i think it definitely works better to have a little bit of information about the music that you're hearing or the song that you're listening to or the artists that are that are performing and it makes that that experience that much more enjoyable and i'll give an example you know because we're talking about this generation uh we unfortunately very sadly lost avicii last year yeah. passed away and yeah. uh one of avicii's most favorite uh, most famous tracks is the track called levels mm-hmm. uh oh sometimes you, you know that you know the song yeah, that yeah, i'm talking yeah, about yeah, right yeah, yeah. now most people don't know that the original of that song was sung by a girl called etta james over 50 years ago it's an etta james I, track I, I, and etta james yeah. had a really hard life because her father was came from a broken family she had a lot of problems with drugs as she was growing up as well mm-hmm. um amazing voice soul blues jazz but you know when she was much younger her father was a drunkard would bring people home and it's a bit murky she she would get beaten and forced to sing for her father's friends and i don't know about anything else that went on there as well but it was it's a very very hard life that she had but out of that hard life came this amazing singer and came this amazing song which is immortalized for this generation with avicii so many years later with with levels 
And people don't know that, you know, and, and, and now that I've said this, if you've heard this, yeah. I'm pretty sure that you're going to go onto Google or YouTube and Google Etta James's original version. Yeah. And then every time you hear the song by Avicii, it's just going to color that experience for you a little bit. And I think that's, that's great. And that's what I love about trivia. That's what I love about um, the process of listening to music sometimes needs, needs to go beyond the music yeah. into how it happened, how it came together. But let me also say this. You don't need to complicate music. You can just listen to music and go, I like that, or I don't like that, and mm. that's it. Yeah. You don't have to delve deeper because not everybody's built that way. You know, most DJs get, you know, many DJs will get upset with people that don't understand their workflow. They don't understand their passion for it. And I keep telling them that, man, not everybody listens to music the way you do. You're, you're listening to music, you know, 24-7. You play music in clubs on the weekend. You collect so much of music. But a lot of people will just tune in, in the car, on the mm. radio station, listen to whatever they're playing, or go to a friend's house and listen to whatever their friends are playing. That's okay. Not everybody needs to be like you. And let me just say this. Now, since we're also giving out life lessons on your show, mm. one of the worst things that you can do as a person is judge other people by standards that you set for yourself. Mm. So if I am like this and I love this, why can't everybody else be the same? If I am such a good person, why can't everybody else be good? If I can do this for her, why can't she do this for me? Yeah. And expectation being the mother of all fuck-ups, you know, and something, something happened on a roadie show recently, which is a different story altogether. But this is, this is really an important lesson that you really need to look at people as separate individuals that are not an extension of yourself. You can't judge other people by standards you set for yourself, which is why I say that it's important to listen. You know, people keep saying that you need to stand up for what's right. You need to stand up for things that you believe in. You need to have a voice. 2020 is the year that you have a voice. And I say, yeah, for sure. Yes, all of that. But well, don't listen. forget to listen yeah. to the other side of the story. You also mentioned to me when we spoke the other day that you had a very interesting theory about how people can actually learn things which, because most people feel like okay, I can't learn this. if I can't go deep and learn things as well uh, is there any point consuming any information about it or knowing something about it um, you had a theory about it which you briefly mentioned to me well it's one is I think that you know whatever you learn in life if you learn it consciously mm. even subconsciously it kicks in at some point in time and that's for me, for me, is the ability to connect those dots. Right? Mm. In the music space, every single night that I spent at a nightclub, dancing my ass off, sweating, listening to different DJs, has been a part of an informal education for me. I didn't know it then. I was just having fun. I loved the music. And I loved being on dance floors. And I loved the vibe. And I loved dancing. But when it, when it came to designing clubs, venues, nights, events, music festivals, all of that experience kind of kicked in. Mm. And it's something that I came across and I, 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 I told you that I was going to research this so that I knew where it came from, but I haven't done that. It's called the 10,000 hour rule. Mm. Um, many people are aware of this. I'm not quite sure where it came from, but the rule basically states that in order to be proficient in anything, as a carpenter, as a singer, as a cyclist, an mm. athlete, a football player, a musician, you need to invest 10,000 hours of your life into that, either consciously or subconsciously. And if you do that, you will become proficient mm. at it. 
सो वट एवर इट इज दू डूंग पीपल इन मुंबई सर मुझे एक्टिंग करना है मुझे एक चांस चाहिए अच्छा तो तुम्हें एक्टिंग करना है तो तुमने अभी तक किया क्या है तुमने कुछ थिएटर का वर्कशॉप किया है तुमने स्कूल में कुछ ड्रामा किया है तुम स्क्रिप्ट पढ़ते हो तुम खुद स्क्रिप्ट लिखते हो तुमने कुछ सोचा है कि ये एक्टिंग जो चीज है इस इंडस्ट्री को मैं और भी बेटर कैसे अंडरस्टैंड कर पाऊं नहीं सर मुझे बस एक चांस चाहिए एंड आई एंड आई एंडस्टैंड स्पॉटबॉय but learn if you don't spend that time learning you're never going to get that that one chance and here's the thing that one chance that people are, are are dying for if you will it strongly enough it will come to you and i believe that you can do that you can draw positive things into your life if mm. you want them strongly enough yeah but yeah when that one chance happens that's the only chance you'll have and you better be prepared when that chance happens because when you get that opportunity to act in that serial or act or do that little one walk on role in that scene in a film yeah if you don't know how to act if you don't know how to do your dialogue delivery if you don't know how to work with a close up camera and a long shot mm. then the chance will come and go yeah and you're never going to get yeah. it back so that when that one chance happens you have to try and be the best version of yourself possible which is why when you have the time go to the workshops go to the studying go on to youtube go read about it go talk to people and learn about the thing that you want to be a part of yeah it's very yeah. important music any any art form actually mm. music theater acting <clears throat> i don't know much about painting but you know possibly about painting as well any any creative form fashion designing you have to spend time learning imbibing watching observing and emulating as well people may call it copying but emulate and then watch yourself in the mirror compare yourself to yourself because mm-hmm. you are your worst and your best critique uh, critic and learn from that i believe all my years watching mtv before i actually ended up interning there taught me how how the shows need how you need to work on them so i totally But agree with you people watch mtv come on to the thing and say are aise banta hai kya Yeah. Like on select for example that also that also most people most people believe select was live it wasn't live yeah we should record um <laughs> and we had a set that was built like an apartment and i made up a story about it that it was my living room on the 13th floor of an apartment and i had a bai who came and cleaned the house and you know made biryani for for me and there was a vada pav guy who lived downstairs and people <laughs> believe that you you made up a story about it but it was yeah. it was a set on a on a studio floor yeah But that was the fun of it. Sorry, select fans, I lied. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> This can go on. I feel like I think we need to do a part two. But do as the French say, we shall do a part two to this. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. Thanks much for doing this, Nikhil. 
My pleasure, man. I'm going to think about. I was actually going to end up by saying, "What did we learn from this chat?" But you kind of summarized it in the end really well. So I'm not going to even going to say what we what did we learn from what we spoke about. But your last part was exactly what everyone needs to learn from what we spoke about. What was my last part? I forget. Your last part about putting in the time, just consuming stuff. Yeah, just do all the silly bits. Yeah. Do the fun stuff. Do the crazy stuff. Audition for things that you would never normally do. Go out to parties and events and activities that you wouldn't normally engage in. You never know who you'd meet. You never know what you'd learn. You'd never know what your experience is going to be like. And I promise you this: if you if you are like a sponge and you absorb, it'll all come back and work for you at some point in time in your life. And learn about random plants. Yes, learn about random plants. Elephant grass is a good place to start. <laughs> and that was Nikhil Chinappa. And I don't think I really have to have an outro in this episode, but I'm just doing one because I think we always have to. So, whenever you listen to music, maybe if you really want to, you can dig a little deeper, and you can actually find some interesting information about how that track actually got made, or where it's referenced from, or just how much fun it could be to dance to. or like i once did assume that a track by nelly was actually a kannada song and later realized that it wasn't kannada it's just how we pronounce these things okay bye